Have a drink. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. And, Father, we ask you to give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive your word. We ask that it fall in good ground and bring forth good fruit for the kingdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, last week, we've been talking for a good while Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives with me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we live by the life of another. We live by the faith of another. We live by the strength of another. And last week, we talked about living by the love of another. I only barely got that one started. We'll have to cover that after Easter. But I was going to finish it today, but the Lord kind of laid something different on my heart uh, Friday. And uh, learning to live by another. You know, I don't know if you realize it, but next Sunday we celebrate the greatest event in Christian history. The absolute greatest event in Christian history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what makes it all worth the efforts Amen. the resurrection of Jesus we'll talk about that week next week but I was thinking about it this is Palm Sunday in John chapter 12 we see in verse 12 says on the next day people that were come to the feast when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees went forth to meet him and cried Hosanna blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he found a young ass, set thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king comes setting upon the ass's colt. These things understood not the disciples at first, but when he was glorified, then remembered they these things that were written. You know, isn't that interesting? If you see that, they didn't understand it at first. Because you know, when, when Jesus said there in John 7, 39, he said this, the great day of the feast. He says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, that they that believe on him should receive. But he says, but the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, why does the Holy Ghost come? To teach us all things that Jesus said to conform us into his very image. See, they could not believe because Jesus wasn't glorified. But after he was glorified, they remembered what he said. See, that's what the Holy Spirit here is, to bring to remembrance everything he said to us, to lead and guide us in, just like she was saying. He's always there to cover your mistakes, past, present, and future. He said, I'll never leave you. Read Romans 8, the last few verses. There's nothing can separate you from the love of God. The love of God is so big, we'll have to get back to it. But as we begin to see here, then they remembered these things that were written of him, and they had done these things. People, therefore, was with him when he, had, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him up in bare record. For this cause, the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how? You prevail nothing. Behold, the world is going after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
And Philip come and tell Andrew, and Andrew tell Philip, and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the kernel or corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life or his soul will lose it, but he that hateth his soul in this world will keep it into life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. What did he say? If you serve me, follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said it thundered and other than angels spoke. Jesus said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And guess what that little word draw means in the Greek? Drag. How many of you feel like you've been drugged? Amen? That's a little heavier than just draw. I will drag all men to me. That's pretty good, isn't it? This said he's signifying what death he should die. The people answered and said, We have heard out of the law that Christ abide forever. And thou says the Son must be lifted up. Who is this man? And Jesus said, Yet a little while is the light with you. While you have the light, bleed, and he says, Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness knows not whither he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus and departed and hid himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed their report? To whom has the Lord, hand of the Lord been revealed, the arm? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor be converted, and I should heal them. You know what he said? Remember, if you don't believe, then you can't believe. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. And he goes on to talk about this. And I want you to see something. It says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You remember what Jesus said over here? Verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, this cause I came. You know, I begin to think about Jesus and what he was going through and what he, this week represents. Jesus is a lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Everything the Father had planned for us was through his Son. And when Jesus came, I want you to see something. We talk about living by the life of another. We talked in the coffee shop this morning that when Jesus came, he didn't come as, as a God. He came as a man. In, in Hebrews 2, it says, For much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise took part of the same, that through what? His death he might destroy him that hath power of death and deliver them who through fear of death was all their lifetime subject to bondage. He said he didn't take upon himself the nature of angels, but he took upon himself the seed of Abraham. Why? That he in all points might be tempted like we are. Three years, Jesus came in the form of a man. 
He took upon himself the form of a man, Philippians 2, and said, made himself as a slave and became a servant unto all. All right. He took that on himself. For three years, Jesus was tempted in every point, just like you and I. We talked about it this morning, how everybody's being bombarded by all this warfare that's going on around us. Jesus went through every warfare every one of us went through, with one exception, yet without sin. He was so perfectly set on doing the will of the Father and finishing what he called him to do. For three years, he was bombarded, but he never once crossed the line to be selfish in what he did. Not one time. Not even a hint of it. And we go on and we see something. We talk about living by the life and the faith of another. Jesus came and he lived his life by the will of another. By the love of another. He lived his life by the love and the will of the Father. He had a passion to do that. says in Psalms, he says, In the volume of the books it is written, I come to do your will, O God. That's why he came. To do to the will of the Father that sent him. And he, he, he talks about the will. But look, look here what he says. And he says... Uh, Verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him because the Pharisees did not confess him lest they should be kicked out of the synagogue. I like that better than put out. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Jesus cried and said, catch this, he that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that seeth me see him that sent me. Did you catch that? If you believe on me, you believe on the one that sent me. If you see me, you see the one that sent me. He says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth in me should abide and not abide in darkness. I am, if any man hears my words and believe not, I judge him not. I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receive not my words hath ones that judge him. The word that I've spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. Four, catch the four. Catch 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. I don't know what the difference is between what I say and what I speak. They sound the same to me, but apparently there's a difference. He said, I do not speak of myself. I only say what he tells me to say. I only speak what he tells me to speak. Can you imagine the scribes and the Pharisees and all of them that harassing him all the time? And I remember one time he got close. He said, you know, I have many things to say to you, to judge you. But he that sent me is true. And I only say what he tells me to say. How many of you know he was tempted just a little in himself to say something? In himself. How many of you know he had that temptation? But what did he say? No, not my will. But your will be done. You know, when he's in the garden, what did he say three times? This is tough, but not my will, but your will be done. See, he had a will just like every one of us. He was tempted in all points just like we was. But he lived his life by the life of his father. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the father. He came to live his life by the life of the father. See, and what is he saying to us? How are we to live our lives here? By the life of another. By the love of another. 
by the strength of another. I don't know where this, this thing's going to stop. But it even says, by him let us offer the sacrifice of praise. We worship by the worship of another. We live by the power of another. Everything we do is by another. And once this revelation starts clicking, then we understand what she was saying. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It doesn't matter what we're going through at the time. He's still there with us to cover us, past, present, and future. Because we're living in him. In him we live and move and have our being. And he says, verse 50, I know that the commandment, uh, his commandment is life, everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. His words. What did he say to the disciples? The words that I speak. They are spirit and they are life. Only words he spoke was words of spirit and life. You remember in John chapter 5, he said what? John chapter 5. Let me start in about verse. John 5. On the Rome book. Jesus said in verse 19, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever things he doeth, these also do the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he is doing. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Jesus said, without me, what can we do? Nothing. Remember that? He said, without me, you can do nothing. So what is everything we do without him? Nothing. We do a lot of things sometimes, but it's not with him. And what are those things? Nothing. Because he said, without me, you can do nothing. And what did Jesus say? I of myself can do nothing. I only hear and I only speak what he tells me to say and what he tells me to do. Do you understand how awesome that is? To me, that, that overshadows the cross, the resurrection, everything else. For a man like me and you and George to live three years and never once do something selfish and self-centered. Not once. Did it ever dawn on you what he went through? And we talk about Hebrews 5.8 this morning. Mary brought it up. Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to those that obey him. Well, what did he suffer? Think about it. What was his 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil day and night? Can you imagine what the devil could put through his thoughts day and night? 40 days and nights being tempted of the devil, yet without sin? That's what he did. And why did he do that? Because the law said, you got to do this. And what did Jesus say? I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill its demands. He fulfilled the law so we don't have to. Totally fulfilled it every ounce of the way in himself so we don't have to. And he suffered for us. We read that in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4.1 For as much as Christ has suffered for you in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. What? The mind that he has. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. 
that he should no longer live his, his rest of his life in the lust of, of men, but live for the Lord. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what it says? We do have a choice. Why? We have a natural mind or we have a spiritual mind. And we can choose which mind, one we're going to live in. We talk about in Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. But it didn't stop there. Then it goes on to tell us how we to live. Chapter 5 says, Be ye therefore, because of what I just said, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, agape, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Remember last week we talked about this word, love, agape? And we talked about it in the coffee shop. See, that word agape, it means that God does his best for us for our good, not necessarily what we desire. Agape love is doing what's best for someone, not necessarily what you desire. See, we may go through a lot of things that we think we shouldn't have to be going through, and we wonder where God's at, but God's love is doing what's best for us, not necessarily what we desire and we think he ought to do for us. That's agape love. And he says, what does he say here? Therefore, follow God in the same way as dear children and walk in that kind of love that's best for you, not necessarily what you want or what I want, but what's best for you. That's what love does. It does what's best for each other. And you're to walk in that love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But then he says what? But all this other stuff, what? Don't let it be once named among you. Why? Because that's not who you are. That's who you were. He said, don't go there. Amen? Jesus said in John six thirty eight, For I came down from heaven. This was my purpose for coming. I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Can you see a picture? Why did Jesus come? Not to do what he wanted to do, but to do what the Father sent him to do. I came down, f- I came not to do my own will, but his will. Hebrews ten seven. this is where it says, Then said I, lo, I come in the volumes of the books it is written to me, of me, to do thy will, O God. Psalms 40, verse 6 says, Sacrificing offerings thou didst not desire. My ears have you opened. Burn offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the books it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Now I think it's in Hebrew somewhere he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared. That was his body. You have prepared this body that I'm living in to come to do your will, O God. That's good. Psalm 69, 9 says, For the zeal of your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are falling upon me. And you remember when when Jesus overturned the money tables and all that? Then it says, Then the disciples remembered this verse. Zeal for thine house has eaten me up. They understood why he did it, see? Because the zeal for his father was so strong that he overturned the money changers' tables and drove them out. 
and said, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. I wonder what Jesus would do in most churches he walks in, knowing the heart and the condition and what's going on with all the motives and all the stuff going on. What have we made his house? See, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is the real house. This is only a sheep shed. You are the body of Christ. You are the house of God. Howbeit the most high doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells in us. He lives and moves. And Jesus, what did he say? If you keep my word, the Father and I is going to come and live in you and dwell in you. If you love me, the love of the Father is going to love you and we're going to make our abode in you. See, that's a little different than our, some of our pictures, isn't it? Second Corinthians five nineteen says God was in Christ. God didn't just send Christ. God was in Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, God went to the cross. I don't know if that ever dawns on you or not. But the one that created all this stuff and still created one says God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ, what? Exchanging the world for himself. Okay? Christ was living his life by the life of his Father. Why did Christ come? Matthew twenty twenty eight says, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. Luke four eighteen he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of jubilee and freedom. God was in Christ doing that. Luke 4.43, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, for that's why I'm sent. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. John 13, when it was time for Jesus to go to the garden, the disciples was arguing about who's going to be the greatest when he leaves. Who's he going to leave in charge? And there is Jesus, knowing that the Father had given into his hands all things. He was King of kings, Lord of lords. He was all authority had been given to him in heaven and earth. He goes and picks up a towel and washes the disciples' feet. And he says, I have given you an example. You don't know what I'm doing right now. Why? Because every one of them was living in their old man. It was all about me. Who's going to be the greatest when he goes? He battled that with them all the time. He was here. He said, what I'm doing, you don't know now, but afterwards you'll understand. That's, right. That's why Paul wrote that. You know, he said there in one verse, I have no man like-minded who naturally cares for your state. All seeks their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul said, let this mind be in you. You have to let this mind be in you to take upon yourself a form of a servant. He that's greatest among you, Jesus said, is a servant of all. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Learn to be a servant. That's not what we're taught in this world. We're taught in this world you want everybody to serve you. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, he said. But I'm telling you, in the new creation, it ought to be. Once we understand what the new... I told the pastors this last week. I said, you know, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they're not offices. They're ministry gifts. 
We try to make them some important thing that we classify apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors in order of who is the most important. No, those are gifts from God that he's given to the church to perfect and mature the church for the work of the ministry so that we can grow up to be the fullness of God. The fullness of the Godhead bodily Jesus Christ in all his glory. Paul said, I'm a bondservant called to be an apostle. I'm a slave, but I do apostle stuff because he calls me to. Do you see how that's different than what, when you put the old man in, in the apostle, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, it's not a pretty sight, is it, George? That's why we're hearing more about the exchange all the time. Because you know why he's coming back after a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing? And he said, be sure when that day comes and it's coming that you be found of him when he comes in peace without spot or wrinkle. That's an interesting word, peace. You gave that word while ago in peace. You know what that word peace means if I don't get there? That word peace means the mending of a hostile relationship that was formerly very hostile. It means stopping the hostility that was between one and another. Jesus come to take care of the hostility that was between us, nailing it to his cross. He ended the hostility. Well, we'll get there. What shall I do now you know not? But you'll know after it. Then the Lord of Master said, I, your Lord Master, have washed your feet. You ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. We should walk as he walked, is what he was saying to him. Verily, verily, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent. The secret of real authority is not a sword, but a towel. Get that. The secret of real authority is not a sword, it's a towel. We've got to understand that. The key is to walk as he walked. We need to walk as he walked. First John 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Colossians 2.5 says, For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. In Christ dwells all the fullness of God. Because Christ was what? Living by the life of God. In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, Ross, are complete in him. What does complete mean? Complete. There's nothing you can add to that. And we are complete in him, which is ahead of all principalities and powers. The mystery of the incarnation is that God was in Christ and that God in Christ had to become a man to save man. The incarnation is man had to become man to save man. Do you get it? He had to become who we were so he could make us who he is. Did you catch that? He had to become who we had become so he could make us who he is. And he said, it is finished. 
Jesus had to live his whole life. Jesus had to live in his humanity while on the earth. He had to live in his humanity so we could be exchanged into his glory and divinity. He lived his whole three years. No, his whole 33 years as a human. Just like we. Tempted in every point. I wondered. You know, he didn't wear a little halo when he was a little boy. He played just like all the other little boys. He lived in a family. And the scripture says this. And at the Passover, the Jews sought to kill him. So he couldn't go up to the Passover because they sought to kill him. His brothers in his own house, his blood brothers, said, Why don't you go up to the Passover? What does that tell you? Scripture says they didn't believe in him. He said, why don't you just go on up there and get crucified? Why don't you go on up there and get killed? So everybody see you're just like the rest of us. Why did they come up with that conclusion? Because they was around him their whole life. They saw his humanity every day. And they didn't believe in him. And they want him dead. Sounds like Joseph's brothers, doesn't it? He lived in his humanity every day. Jesus lived 33 years on earth drawing his life and his grace and his love from his Father in his humanity. See, everything Jesus did, he did as us drawing from the life of the Father. And what he tells us, everything you do, the works that I do shall you do. Why? Because you're going to do those works as in me. Everything you do is in him. That's why he said, the, the works that I do will you do, and greater works will you do. Because why? Now he's living in all of us, and we're living in him. And the works that we now do, we, don't, we do it by him. By him, therefore. Everything's by him. Everything's in him. John 1, 16. Catch that verse. You got it? John 1, 16. And of his fullness have some received. Grace for grace. Is that what it says? Of his fullness have we all received. Grace for more grace. Grace upon top of grace. Of his fullness have we all received. Does that leave out anybody? Does the word all leave out anybody? Have we all received what? Grace upon grace. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Acts four thirty one through 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon some of them. Upon them all. How much great grace was upon all of them? Great grace was upon them all. Catch that. Not just a little bit, but great grace was upon them all. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that by grace you're saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Catch this. Little nugget God gave me. Grace is the storehouse with all the fullness of Christ in it. Faith is the door. 
to that grace. But the key to the door is love. Let me say it again. Grace is a storehouse where all the fullness of Christ dwells. Faith is the door to that grace, but the key to the door is love. Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which is activated by love. Love is the key that opens the door to the grace that God's given us. Everything in its order. Because with what? Without faith, it's hard to please God. No, it's impossible to please God. So it's grace upon grace. Faith for more faith. And it, 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 just, it just keeps growing and keeps growing. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein, the gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to more faith. God gives you grace for more grace. God gives us faith for we can have more faith. From faith to faith. See, the gospel leads us in from faith that he gives you faith to believe to great faith. As it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. faith. It's progressive. Faith to faith, grace for grace, glory to glory. Second Corinthians 3.18, We be all beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being exchanged into the same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. All of us are daily being conformed into the image of his very Son. That's why the Holy Ghost is here to help us what? Mortify the deeds of the flesh so we can put off and put on. Paul, everyone, put off this, put on this. It's a daily walk where we're growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Romans 8 says what? God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Does that mean when we die and get to heaven? That means now. The Holy Ghost has been given to us now so that we can live the kind of life he called us to live. I've come that you might have life and have it what? Abundant life. Well, I'm going to go ahead and finish. Is that okay? Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now there's that peace. How do we get peace? We're justified. We have peace with God. You can have peace with God. Then you can have the peace of God. Okay? Now look. Mending of a relationship that was formerly hostile. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and what? Peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither can it indeed be. The word peace is that word irene. And it's a medical term, means like a broken bone. That when that bone grows back together, it comes to peace. And everywhere that bone comes back together, it won't break there again. That, that, that bone has come to peace. That's that word irene. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. Ephesians 2, 13, Now 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. What is he? He is our peace. What does it say? Colossians says what? If you be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, for you're dead and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ shall appear, then he is your life. Christ is our life. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then will we also appear with him in glory. He's our peace. He's our life. He's our everything. Christ is all and in all. Amen? Now look at he says. Oh. But in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath broken down one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments and ordinance, for to making himself two of the two, Gentiles and Jews and Greeks, one new man, so making peace. Now I want you to see something I saw here. We're going through a battle, all right, that's going on around us. But listen to what he says. Listen to this. This is what he says. We are no longer battling the enmity between the old man and the new. The old man has been crucified once for all, that the body of sin might be destroyed, Romans 6, 6. Jesus what? He stopped all hostility and came and preached peace to us. A pre- peace is the ending of all hostilities. What is the sign of walking in the new man? Peace. What is the work of righteousness? Isaiah 50, 32. The work of righteousness is peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance. And my people shall dwell in a ha- in a Quiet habitation, quiet resting places. It's peace. Now I want you to see something here. When God sent John the Baptist, I want you to see something. It just dawned on me. Jesus stopped hostility. He stopped. He's not. How many of you know God's not mad at you anymore? God's not mad at you anymore. It's over. The hostility has ended. Here in Isaiah chapter 40, listen. Comfort ye my people, saith God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hands double for her sins. What does he say? The war is over. catch it when jesus did what he did and died for us the war was over the hostility between god and us is over and he says the voice of him that cries in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert every valley will be exalted everything made straight and the glory of the lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together and the mouth of the lord has spoken it and what did Jesus say about, what did God say in Isaiah 43? He says, I, even I am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake and not remember your sins anymore. That's right. who, who initiated the warfare to be over? God did it when he sent his son. And he said, it's finished. And he came and preached peace, the end of hostility. See, we talk all the time about there's a... The, the natural man is not subject to God, neither indeed. It's an enmity. 
It's enmity. What does that word enmity mean? Hostile. It's hostile. Well, that's right. But let's don't forget one thing. What did he do with that hostile old man? He took it to the cross and annihilated it right there. And he buried that old rascal. And we've been raised to walk in a new non-hostile environment. So let's don't give that old man more credit than he deserves because the hostility is over as far as we're concerned. He paid the price so the hostility and we can have peace and live in peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be what? Troubled. I give you a new heart. That's not troubled. Is that good? Having abolished in his flesh. Verse 2. Let me go back up there. For he is our peace. What is he? He doesn't just give you peace. He is your peace. Okay. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contains in the ordinance, for to making himself of the two one new man, so making peace. We are no longer battling enmity between the old and the new. The old has been crucified once for all, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, we do not serve sin. Romans 7 says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who has been raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. We are married to another. The old is dead. We can't be married to both, old and new. The old is dead. We've been married to another, that we should bring forth what? Fruit unto God. Is that good? Now this, this week, think about this week. Jesus was walking all this out to the cross so he could say it's finished. Next Sunday we come on that resurrection with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. Amen. Romans 4.25, I don't have it in here. It says that Jesus was crucified for our offenses. All the junk we went through, he was crucified for our offenses. Hallelujah. Next week, there's going to be thousands rejoicing over the fact that he died on the cross for your offenses. But if you stop there, you missed the gospel. You missed the gospel. He didn't die just for your offenses. He was raised for your justification. That means you're new. That's the most glorious day for the Christian there is, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Because you know why? When he was raised, you were raised. When he ascended, you ascended. When he sat down, you sat down. Now, whether we like that or not, that's the truth. So you got a week to get over it because we, we're going next week. We're going to talk about the resurrection. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we are seated with you in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that 
The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I ask you to help us to put on the whole armor of God so that anything that comes against our peace that you have given us, Lord, that your peace will remind us on a regular basis that the hostility is over. The hostility has been paid for. And you're not mad anymore. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.